We're continuing in the book of Romans this morning, looking at Romans 9, 14 to 18. I just want to read it for you in preparation of the words that God has given me this morning. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. Not the easiest message to preach this morning. How many of you ever asked the following question or been asked this question? Why do bad things happen to good people? Or maybe you've heard it in this way. Why do good things happen to bad people? Or perhaps to sum it all up, maybe you've heard this question. Is God fair? Is God fair? Well, I want to give you a little bit of a personal testimony. In 1992, just five months after I came to faith, I was fired from a job when I was making, where I was making a six-figure income and was also in the top percent of the sales force nationwide, all because my manager's position had been taken away and he desired to let me go so he could take over my agency. You see, in Virginia, there was something called a right-to-work law, which is a name that doesn't describe it at all. Basically, what it means is if you have one brown sock and one black sock, they can come in and fire you. It's employer, do what he want. Employee, beware. That's not fair. It's not fair. Especially five months after I came to faith. Are you kidding me? Tina and I had to sell everything we could. And we sold some of the things we couldn't. I couldn't find work for almost a year. Even though I sent out resumes five or ten a week. We ended up having to declare bankruptcy. That's not fair. I just came to faith. Yet it happened five months after I came to faith, and all my worldly idols were stripped away from me. The cars, the jewelry, the motorcycle. I know. And it was then that my trust in God's provision 
took off. Because as hard up as we were, and Tina will tell you, we lived out of a coin jar. There always seemed to be enough there to make ends meet. And when there wasn't enough there to make ends meet, the Lord brought resources to fill in the gap. Amen? So is there unrighteousness with God? Is God fair? Dear ones, the problem with the question is it's the wrong question. Fairness has nothing to do with God. With God, it's all about sovereignty. Now, it's been a while since we've been in the book of Romans, so let me remind you or review you, or review for you, or rather, um, where we've been. For some reason, Ron Carlos, this is not working because it's not on. Okay. Here we go. Romans 9, 1 to 5 talks about Paul's great burden of sorrow and grief for his people. And so the question of God's righteousness in Romans 9 has to do with God's dealings with the Jewish people. Romans 9, verses 1 to 5, I tell the truth in Messiah, Paul writes, I'm not lying, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Messiah for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Messiah came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul's heart is broken for his Jewish people. Paul's heart is broken for the ones who would not claim the Jewish Messiah as their life and salvation and redeemer. He is so burdened and so sorrowful that if possible, he would be willing to give up his own salvation on their behalf. And then we come to Romans 9, verses 9 to 13. The word of promise, a statement of God's sovereignty. For this is the word of promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. By the way, how old was Sarah at that time? Old. Past childbearing. God is not only sovereign, but he's a miraculous God. And not only this, I love it when you read that in scripture, don't you? Not only this. But when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being bored, nor having done any good or evil, nor having done any good or evil, it didn't have anything to do with what they did or didn't do, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger, as it is written, 
Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. You've heard me say before that, biblically speaking, there really is no word in biblical Hebrew for promise. Whenever you see the promise of God, it's the Devar Adonai, the word of the Lord. Why? Because his word is his promise. And his promise is amen. It will be completed. If he says it, it will happen. And so according to the election, the covenant given to Abraham, reconfirmed with Isaac, reconfirmed with Jacob, whose name was then changed to Israel, Yisrael, he who struggles with God after he wrestled with the angel. According to God's sovereign design and purpose, God's plan has come about. Sovereignty is a key definer of our God, our creator, our father in heaven. But I love the next phrase. What shall we say then? Romans 9, 14. Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Now you need to follow the progression of scripture here. Why would God decide that the older would serve the younger before either one of them had ever been born? Answer, I don't know. And you know what? I don't need to know. It was God's purpose. It was God's design. It was God's election. And a sovereign God can do sovereign things. A sovereign God can do sovereign things. So what shall we say then? Is God unrighteous? Does he do stuff that doesn't make sense and he's sovereign but it's still not right? And I think Paul, in the book of Romans, answers his own question. Romans 9 Verse 15, he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. What I love about this particular verse is it's all positive. God says, I will be merciful to whom I want to be merciful, and I will be compassionate to whom I want to be compassionate. Even if that you-know-what has done you wrong. Even if that bad person in their life, in their family life, in their relations with their family, in their relations with their work partners, in their relations with their employees or employers or anyone else, in their relations with you, God, even if they are the pit of the pit of the pit, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and compassion upon whom I will have compassion. I was not the most pleasant of people before I came to faith. Let me, let me rattle off the characteristics, okay? Condescending, stuck up, argumentative, 
conflicting, overbearing, stuck up, (laughs) arrogant. Did I say stuck up? And yet God had mercy on me. And God had compassion on me. And after 41 and a half years of fighting him, he never forgot me. Our middle son is teaching Shabbat school today. His name is Zechariah. In Hebrew, it's Zechariah. Do you know what Zechariah means in Hebrew? God remembers. He's the first child born to Tina and I after I came to faith. You see, no matter how much I pushed God away, he never forgot me. I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion, and I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. That is the sovereignty of God explained. He is not defined or fenced in or controlled by the circumstances of our lives. He knows where we came from, where we're going, and where we are, all in a split second. I've had someone explain it to me as God's helicopter view of life. Imagine, if you will, that this is the starting point of your life, born here, and you go through life, barbat mitzvah, 16-year-old, get your driver's license. 16-year-old, one month, have your first car accident. 21-year-old, think you're an adult. 22-year-old, get pulled over because you're drinking while you're driving. 28, get married. I mean, all the way up to whenever it is that you die, right? I want you to imagine that God's in a helicopter, looking down on your timeline and seeing everything from the day you were born to the day you die. He sees it all as one picture. We can only see what's right in front of us. God's sovereignty is that he's not confined by time, circumstances, or us. He is who he is. He will do what he wants to do. And his plans and his purposes are for our good. Amen? Amen. And the bottom line is this. It's all up to him. Romans 9.16. So then, it's not of him who wills. It's not of us who will. It's not of him who runs. It's not of us who works and works and works to get this done and works and works and works to get that done. Gets up in the morning, gets breakfast, gets the kids ready, goes to work, puts out fires, has lunch, puts out more fires, comes home, helps with dinner, puts the kids to sleep, goes to bed, watches the NFL draft until 11 o'clock at night. I admit it. I'm sorry. By the way, they did good. They did good. They did good. That's one for each pick. It's not about us. It's of God who shows mercy. Scripture says very clearly, his mercies are new. How often? Does that mean every day? Every morning. What else do we need? 
except a merciful God who is mercy, merciful 24-7, 365, from the day we're born to the day we die. And then after that, too, because that's not the end. It's all up to him. It wasn't fair when I got fired. I was a big shot. Remember Stuck Up? Multinational company, national sales force, top 10% in sales. Winning trips every year so we can go on free vacations. Seattle, Boston, Kiowa Island, South Carolina. That wasn't fair, but it's not about fairness. It's about his sovereign will. It's about his work in our lives so that we may be a part of his plans and purposes. Blessed to be a blessing. That's why it's all up to him. Because if it were left up to us, it would be blessed to be blessed. Do you understand the difference? As Joseph prayed this morning at our prayer time before the service, we are stewards of everything God gives us. It's our job, it's our responsibility to manage and steward what God gives us for the benefit of others. We are his chosen conduit. Not that he needs us. Please understand this. He wants us to be part and parcel of his plan. It's all up to him, and that's a part of his plan. And so it's wonderful that this morning's sermon has in it a reference to the plagues, because today's the last day of Passover. By the way, for those of you who are smarter than me, even though peanut butter cookies don't say leaven in any of the ingredients, they have baking soda in them and they have leaven. Okay. So thank you to the people who corrected Dennis this morning as he was getting ready to pass out the peanut butter cookies downstairs because it didn't say leaven. Oh, by the way, leaven's a sneaky thing. It creeps in everywhere where you don't expect it. Like peanut butter cookies. (laughs) Just as sin creeps into our lives in ways we don't expect it. The story is told of the young boy who was sent home from school with a note from the teacher Please tell Johnny to stop stealing pencils from the classroom. To which his father said, I don't know why he has to steal pencils from the classroom. I bring enough home from work for him every day. I love going off on tangents. Romans 9, 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose, I have raised you up 
that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared in all the earth. That I might show my power in you. The you is Pharaoh. The you is the one that God raised up. I will have mercy upon whom I have mercy and compassion upon whom I have compassion. But it's also Pharaoh of whom God's, God hardened his heart. Why? So that God's power would be shown in the one who thought he was God. And that his name, God's name, the yud heh vav the eternal I am, that his name will be declared in all the earth. And despite the video that we saw, the one document that they found from Pharaoh's Egypt that said the Jewish people have been wiped out, I guarantee you the word went all around Egypt about how the Jewish people defeated Pharaoh by the hand of a mighty God. Turn with me, if you will, to Exodus 9, 13. I just want to read this for you. It's an amazing chapter. Beginning in 13, we talk about the seventh plague, the plague of hail. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time, I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from all the earth. The pestilence did not cut off all of the Egyptians. Why? But indeed, for this purpose I have raised you up, Pharaoh, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people and that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, For the hail shall come down on every man and on every beast which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. By the way, that's a verse about a merciful God. I'm warning you what's going to happen. Take precaution. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord... I'm just letting that phrase sink in. He who does not regard the word of the Lord and left his servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. 
and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail. How many of you have ever been in a hailstorm? How many of you have ever been in a hailstorm with fire? So very heavy that there was none like it in the land of Egypt since it became a nation, and the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt. All that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. I will show my power in you, Pharaoh, God said, so that my name, parenthesis, not your name, my name may be declared in all of the earth. My name, not the name of the great Pharaoh, the name of the great leader of Egypt, the name of the country that was ruler over all the countries around. My name, Pharaoh, not your name, shall be declared in all of the earth. And so Romans 18, we come to a conclusion. Maybe. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. Now, why is the maybe there? Well, you have to come back next week. He has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. Now, I cannot prove what I'm about to say from Scripture, but I believe it with all my heart. God will not harden the heart of anybody that he doesn't already know will never turn to him. Because he's a God of mercy and compassion and love, it is his desire that all would be saved. But he also knows all who would never release their selfishness and their pride to surrender to a sovereign God. And so he says, therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. By the way, I think he hardens the hearts of believers, too, every once in a while. And at least in my case, I think I know why he hardens my heart every once in a while. It's so I can get a good look at just how ugly I can be without him. And even though that feels terrible in the moment, it's a wonderful thing. When you're walking down the street in the morning, dog on your leash, no cars around, complaining to God about everything around you, and God says, what about you, Dennis? What's your part in this? Are you ready to hear what I have to say instead of what you want to hear yourself say? Did you know dog walking can be theologically wonderful? Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. Let's pray. Avina Malkano, our father, our king. Who was a God like you?
glorious in compassion, wonderful in mercy, sovereign in justice, powerful in salvation. Lord, when we take off, may we take off the sandals of our heart to you in all things. May we understand the importance of your word, both written as as in scripture and delivered by your servants, whether it be from a pulpit or a radio station or an event in some coliseum. Lord, will you help us to be able by your spirit to separate the wheat from the chaff? It's your understanding we want. It's your word we want. It's your life that you've given us to live. May we live it in accordance with your plan and purpose. May we be blessed so that we may be a blessing. And let us all say together, Amen.